Good morning, gamers, and welcome to the Polygonal Sunrise, your weekly video game news briefing every Monday morning. Today is Monday, March 25th, 2019. I'm your host, Jack Martin. Let's see what happened last week. Google Stadia is the new streaming gaming platform from Google. This article was written by Michael McWhorter of Polygon on Tuesday, March 19th. Google announced Stadia, a new cloud-based gaming platform, at its GDC 2019 keynote Tuesday morning. It's a major move for Google into the video game business, which is increasingly building towards streaming as a solution. Stadia is not a dedicated console or set-top box. The platform will be accessible over the internet on a variety of platforms, browsers, computers, TVs, and mobile devices. In an on-stage demonstration of Stadia, Google showed someone playing a game on a Chromebook, then playing it on a phone, then immediately playing it on PC, picking up where the game left off in real time. Stadia can stream games in 60 frames per second, with HDR and 4K resolution, said Google's Majd Bakker. In the future, Bakker said Stadia will achieve resolutions up to 8K, and frame rates up to 120 frames per second. Google showed AAA games like Ubisoft's Assassin's Creed Odyssey and id Software's Doom Eternal running on Stadia. Google will have a hard drive component, however, the Stadia controller. It's a traditional-looking gamepad, with dual analog joysticks, four face buttons, and shoulder buttons. The controller will connect to the cloud via Wi-Fi, and includes a share button to connect to YouTube and a Google Assist button. Stadia will be powered by Google's worldwide data centers, which live in more than 200 countries and territories, streamed over hundreds of millions of miles of fiber optic cable, Google CEO Sundar Pichai said. Executive Phil Harrison, previously at PlayStation and Xbox, now at Google, said the company will give developers access to its data centers to bring games to Stadia. Harrison said that players will be able to access and play Stadia games, like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, within seconds. Harrison showed a YouTube video of Odyssey featuring a play button that would offer near-instant access to the game. Pakai announced the new platform at the Game Developers Conference, saying that Google wants to build a gaming platform for everyone and break down barriers to access for high-end games. Google offered a glimpse at its new gaming initiative in 2018 with a public test of Project Stream, a technology that made it possible to stream Assassin's Creed Odyssey through its Chrome web browser. Alright, here are my thoughts on Google Stadia. The premise of Stadia is absolutely mind-blowing. The ability to play games anywhere on any piece of technology, no matter how old or crappy it is, is absolutely brilliant. You're no longer limited by your technology, only your internet, which can definitely limit some players, however. The pricing of Stadia hasn't been announced yet, and that's probably my biggest concern. Is it going to be like Steam, a marketplace-like system? Only this way, when you buy games, you can stream them without downloads? Or is it going to be a subscription model? I think it'd make more sense to have a marketplace, but we'll see about that very soon. There are some rumors about subscription models that make me somewhat turned off by the platform, so hopefully those aren't true. This seems to be where the future of gaming is heading. Even Xbox is rumored to be focusing on streaming, although they still have a physical console. Stadia is coming out very soon, near E3, so we'll hear a lot more about it soon. Alright, on to the next story. So I'm combining both of these stories into one news article since they're very similar. So let's get started. Sony announces State of Play Livestream. We'll announce new games March 25th. This article was written by Matt Perslow of IGN on Friday, March 22nd. Sony has announced State of Play, a series of live broadcasts that will reveal new updates and announcements for PS4 and PSVR games. 
The first episode will be shown March 25th. The announcement was posted to the PlayStation blog today. and explains that the debut episode will broadcast at 2 p.m. PT on Monday, March 25th. That's 5 p.m. for anyone on Eastern Time, 9 p.m. for those in the UK, and 7 a.m. on Tuesday morning for those on the Australia East Coast. The blog details that the first State of Play episode will show new trailers, footage, and game announcements for both PlayStation 4 and PSVR games. Effectively, it appears to be Sony's equivalent to Nintendo Direct, and with any luck it'll be just as revealing. State of Play will air live on Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, and can be accessed as a video on demand shortly after the livestream. And aside from the State of Play livestream, Microsoft announces Indie Showcase Stream, starting March 26th. This article was also written by Matt Perslow of IGN on Friday, March 22nd. Microsoft has announced ID at Xbox Game Pass, a new series of live streams to showcase indie games coming to Xbox Game Pass. The first broadcast will be on Tuesday, March 26th. Announced on the Xbox Wire blog, the first episode will premiere at 9 a.m. PT. That's noon Eastern Time, 4 p.m. at the UK, and 2 a.m. in Australia. The stream will offer new dives into After Party, Void Bastards, and Supermarket Shriek. There will also be a behind-the-scenes element to the stream, with a segment featuring Afterparty and Oxenfree developer Night School Studio. The blog post promises new reveals, gameplay highlights, and conversations with developers. The announcement comes just hours after Sony revealed their own live broadcast series, State of Play, meaning all of the big three platform holders now have their own livestream programming. ID at Xbox appears to be closer to Nintendo's Nindy Direct, while State of Play is more in the vein of a traditional Nintendo Direct. Alright, here are my thoughts on the State of Play livestream and the ID at Xbox livestream. I think this is fantastic news for Xbox and PlayStation fans. They'll now have quicker and more direct communication and announcements from their company of choice. You won't have to wait for E3 or any sort of live conference anymore. In fact, you'll have these new announcements sent directly to you. For once, Nintendo made the first move on this one. Their directs have been around for a while now, offering some pretty major updates for fans. I imagine we'll be getting a lot of State of Plays specifically from Sony especially soon since the company isn't going to be at E3. I'm very excited for these live streams, but I especially can't wait for Sony's on Monday. I imagine it'll be fairly newsworthy since PlayStation won't be at E3. Alright, here's the last piece of news. Nintendo confirms Cuphead for Switch with Xbox Live support. This article was written by Kevin Nezevic of GameSpot on Friday, March 22nd. Nintendo showed off a ton of games during this week's Nindies Spring Showcase but one of the biggest announcements came right at the beginning of the presentation, when the company revealed Cuphead is coming to Nintendo Switch next month. The acclaimed platformer arrives in the Switch eShop on April 18th, but you can pre-purchase it from the digital store right now. Nintendo specifically thanked its friends at Microsoft for helping it bring Cuphead to Switch. The game first launched on Xbox One and PC as a Microsoft exclusive in 2017, garnering critical acclaim for its challenging run-and-gun gameplay and beautiful hand-drawn visuals, which evoked the style of classic 1930s cartoons. On top of that, Microsoft announced that Cuphead on Switch will support Xbox Live, allowing you to unlock achievements while you play the game on Nintendo's console. In a blog post on the Xbox website, the company explained it is working with developer Studio MDHR on implementing Xbox Live features into the Switch version later this year as a post-launch update. This follows Microsoft's previous announcement that it plans to expand Xbox Live to Switch, iOS, and Android. The exact feature set for Xbox Live in Cuphead on Switch has yet to be confirmed. Alright, here are my thoughts on Cuphead coming to Switch. I am so excited to play this on the Switch. I missed out on Cuphead and have no way of playing it now since I sold my Xbox, so I'm really glad that I actually have a place to play it now. 
A first-party Microsoft game coming to Switch is a huge step forward in the Microsoft-Nintendo relationship. They keep building up their collaborations together, and it's definitely going to lead to something big for next generation. We're going to continue seeing more Microsoft first-party games on the Switch, but I wonder if any Nintendo first-party games will make their way to Xbox. Nintendo games are incredibly exclusive, so I'm a bit wary about that, but who knows. Xbox Live on another platform is huge as well. Being able to unlock achievements on a rival's console is insane to me, and it's one step closer to more integration between Xbox and Nintendo. Alright, that's it for news. Before we end the show, let's take a trip back in time and see what happened this week in gaming history. This is for the week of March 25th to the 31st. March 25th. On March 25th, 2008, Square Enix releases Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII for the PlayStation Portable in the US and Canada. And on March 25th, 2011, Nintendo launches the Nintendo 3DS in Europe. March 26th. On March 26th, 1997, Nintendo releases Blast Core for the Nintendo 64 in the US. And on March 26, 2002, IDOS releases Legacy of Kane Blood Omen 2 for the Xbox and the PlayStation 2 in the US. March 27th. On March 27, 2011, Nintendo launches the Nintendo 3DS in North America. Case colors are Cosmo Black or Aqua Blue. Price is $250. And again, on March 27, 2011, Capcom releases the Super Street Fighter 4 3D Edition for the Nintendo 3DS in the US. And again, on March 27, 2011, Ubisoft releases Ghost Recon Shadow Wars for the Nintendo 3DS in the US. March 28th. On March 28, 1980, Midway releases Space Invaders 2 in arcades in the US in table cabinet form. On March 28, 1991, US District Court Judge Fern Smith grants Nintendo's request for a preliminary injunction against Atari games in the lawsuits over Atari Games' compatible security chip for Nintendo Entertainment System cartridges. Atari Games is barred from selling or copying copyrighted Nintendo programs for use in video game cartridges. Smith accuses Atari Games of lying to obtain Nintendo's 10NES security program from the Copyright Office, then lying that it had independently developed compatible code. On March 28, 2003, Nintendo releases the Game Boy Advance SP in the UK. On March 28, 2005, Ubisoft releases Splinter Cell Chaos Theory for the PlayStation 2 and Xbox in the US. And on March 28, 2006, Square Enix releases Kingdom Hearts 2 for the PS2 in the US. March 29. On March 29, 1983, Federal Court Judge Albert Bryan issues a temporary restraining order barring Atari from requiring its distributors to deal exclusively with Atari items. On March 29, 1996, Sega Enterprises and SoftBank create Sega Entertainment in the US to convert Sega products to run on personal computers. On March 29, 2000, Capcom releases Resident Evil Code Veronica for the Dreamcast. And on March 29, 2003, an anonymous hacker reveals a method to run Linux on an unmodified Xbox by exploiting a buffer overflow flaw in the save slash load game function of the James Bond 007 in Agent Under Fire video game. The flaw exists in several games and can be used to load and run other software on the Xbox. The hacker is now eligible to win a $100,000 challenge, funded by Lindo's founder, Michael Robertson. March 30th. On March 30th, 2004, Capcom releases Resident Evil Outbreak for the PlayStation 2 in the US. And again on March 30th, 2004, Microsoft drops the price of the Xbox in the US from $179.99 to $149.99. And finally, March 31st. On March 31st, 2001, Sega halts production of the Dreamcast system. 
That information came from a really cool site called thisdayinhistoryinfo.info/compvid. There, you can find all sorts of cool information about what happened each day in gaming history. And that's it for the Polygonal Sunrise. You can join us every Monday morning for your weekly gaming news briefing. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at FascinatedJack, and you can follow the show on Twitter at PolygonalPod. If you have any questions or would like to contribute to the show, email me at PolygonalSunrise at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the show in its own feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podbean. You can also find the show under the Amherst Wire feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or AmherstWire.com. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. It really helps out the show. Have a great week, everyone. The Polygonal Sunrise is a production of the Amherst Wire. Visit AmherstWire.com or find them on social media at AmherstWire. This episode was recorded, edited, and produced by me. The entertainment slash podcast editor for the Amherst Wire is Jonathan Kerma. You can follow him on Twitter at jkerma98. My supervisor for the show is BJ Roach. You can follow her on Twitter at BJ underscore Roach. And finally, the music for today's episode is provided by Damon Hatfield. You can support him at damonhatfield.bandcamp.com or find him on iTunes and Spotify.